Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob Foster, your host. And this is also episode 191 of Shut Up and Grind. We are closing in quickly on that 200 milestone. It'll be here before we know it. So if you're brand new and you have no idea what any of this is about, it's all about overcoming obstacles, defying the odds. And I was told that I would never run or jump again. This is back in 2009. And I, I put up my 160 medals that I've earned since that diagnosis the other day. It still boggles my mind. So I take the principles that I learned from those moments and we turned it into a show because everyone out there struggles with something at some point. And so we try to take my stories, the stories of the guests that, that I bring on, which they are from all over the world, from six different continents, and were heard in over 31 countries. So that's what you're getting yourself into. And if you need to know who I am, here's one minute and 18 seconds of me telling you who I am. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of, front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. Before we get to the teachable moment of the day, just want to remind you that my new program, Speak About Yourself Out Loud, is going to be dropping soon. The website is under construction. The beta testing is all done, and lives have already been changed. So with that, for today's teachable moment, it's about telling your story. And it's not so much telling your story, it's how you tell your story. So going through the program, it's about taking what happened to you, extracting the teachable moments, and then turning it into whatever you want to turn it into, whether you want to write a book, whether you want to do a blog, whether you want to speak on podcasts or start your own podcast to address whatever it was that, that happened and how you overcame it. But it all starts with understanding the power in your story. So it's one thing for me to just say, yeah, I had surgery, I came back from it, and I, and I did some great things. You know, many people have done that. But the teachable moment is when you when somebody else tries to decide your outcome. And too, too many times in life, we let other people control our destiny. So when that doctor told me that day, you will never run or jump again, I turned on the rally cap and it's like, let's see. You know, so and again, that, that's the purpose of this show is getting you to take control of your own destiny, regardless of what lies in your path. See, and when you drop knowledge like that, you can get away with showing up to your interviews in a tank top. Ah. All right, so today we're going to be talking about overcoming and living with depression and just overall mental health. 
And so I had a Trish problem about 10 minutes ago because I had two Trishes scheduled for, for the same time somehow. And both of their emails, two completely different names, two completely different email addresses. Somehow they were in the same thread. So any which way, we're going to speak to the other Trish on Thursday. So now let me bring in Trish Bennett. Good morning. Good morning, Robert. How are you? I am doing well. So so you said earlier you're out in uh, Canada and your wind chills are in the negatives? Yes, negative 40. It's I, cold today. I, I, <laughs> I've only experienced that once in my life. In early 2000s, I lived up in New Hampshire. Lived there for one year. And in that one year, the locals were saying it was like their worst winter in a decade. I was like, is, I, I remember going to, to my, my mom's house saying, like, I've never, I never thought I would miss Rhode Island winter. Yes, like, exactly never. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you originally from Canada? Yes, born and raised in the city that I'm in right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> Have you ever ventured out? Yes, I did live in another city within the same province for a couple of years. I did a lot of traveling to experience that, but came back to what I know. Okay. And have you been down here to the U.S.? Uh, not on the East Coast, but I've been on the West. Okay. All right. Oh, hold on, Pani. I'm trying to get the live stream on my phone. It was taking forever to get on, but it's on now. Sounds great. All righty then. So through the lens of your best friend, how would they describe you? I would say that she would start with the word fighter. Okay. I think that when she views the way that I show up in life, I don't allow other people's opinions or any obstacles to get in my way. And if I do feel like they're starting to suffocate me or take me down, I find a way to get through it. She also comments a lot about my compassion for others, my understanding, and my uniqueness in seeing the world as equal. Mm, that's a solid answer. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what I gathered from that is that you're a very resilient person. Would you agree? I am. Yes, definitely. Okay. And where do you think that stems from? I think it comes from having the experience of knowing what it's like to be on the dark side of life and on the light side of life. And when you have resilience, you're wanting to get closer to the light. So when you experience the duality, you don't stop until you get better and better and better. Love it. So we're definitely going to talk about about the dark side because because again, the show the show the show's about going from dark from dark to the light. Yeah. But. Uh, but first, let's talk about your upbringing. How would you describe it? I would describe it as a little chaotic, um, a lot of turbulence. So I was three years old when my mom left my dad. I'm the youngest of three girls. She left because he was an alcoholic, which I'm very grateful for, because I couldn't imagine what my life would have been like if we stayed in that household. From there, we did a little bit of house jumping until we can get into our own place. And, you know, life completely changed for me. I didn't have a male figure in my, my world to show me what it's like to, to get what you need from a male or a masculine energy. My mom did remarry. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't a great guy. But... When I look at my childhood from my viewpoint as an adult, I see it as, yes, not the greatest, the hardest moments of my life, but it made me who I am. And if I didn't experience, what would I talk about today? 
That's true. Yeah. So when you hear the word resilient, what do you what do you think of? Like, and, and, and I'm not fishing for any particular answer. Just like when you hear it, what do you think of? I just think of like a, a phoenix rising from the ashes, mm. right? Like dusting off the old and keep going forward. And, you know, maybe looking a little back at your past and saying, okay, I recognize my mistakes. I recognize what needs to change and, and keep going forward. I mean, life is always going to throw you those curveballs, and you have two options. You either get hit and knocked down or you grab it and run. And I choose to grab and run and keep going. And I take my breaks, but I won't stop. Nice. So what I think of when I hear the word re- resilient, I'm, I'm a little more on the overconfident side of life. Not saying, <laughs> not saying you aren't, but I think it's like life can't break me. <laughs> it's like, that's what resilience means to me. Like, life cannot and will not break me. I wrote mm-hmm. an article for this online publication called Student to, to CEO about, about resilience. And that was the essence of it. It's like, you can get into the, the psychology about it and all this other stuff. But you, you said the words, you know, you, you chose to keep moving forward. You know, that's what it is. So the people that end up staying stagnant, is you're choosing to stay there. Like you're letting your circumstance get the best of you. You know, when I got that diagnosis, I could have just listened to what the doctor said, put put forth no work. And went, well, the doctor said I'd never run a jump again. So I'm not, you know, yeah. but I, I chose to say, no, no, you, you fix my knee and then I'll take it from there. Exactly. <laughs> Why take their limitations when you can choose for yourself what you can and can't do? Exactly. My niece is here. Hi, Janine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So you also said, you know, you asked yourself what needs to change. And again, that's something with, with what I do. And, and I'm sure you do the same thing when you're in the accountability space is you have to sift through people's BS, <laughs> you know, to mm-hmm. get through, to get to the heart of what the issue is. And even, the, even with fitness, when people will come in, you know, oh, I need to lose weight. Well, well, what happened? Like, how, how did you get to this point in the first place? And then there's all the excuses, all the excuses. Like, so you chose to not take care of yourself. <laughs> it's like, what, once you come to that reality, you can blame the divorce. You can blame the this. You can blame the that. But you chose to let those circumstances put you into this dark hole. So if you're ready to stop those dangerous habits, I can help you push forward. Like, if you're, if you're not ready to move on from that, there's nothing I can do for you. Exactly. And I think a lot of people get stuck because fear is scarier than staying stagnant. It's the feeling inside the body. It's the thoughts inside the head. And so we stay there because it keeps telling us we're not good enough to go forward. We can't go forward. It's too scary. Why would you put yourself there? Why would you risk it? And so we stay there because it's comfortable. And I get that. You know, I suffered with depression for most of my life. I was probably about 10 when it started. I was 13 when I went to my mom and said, I don't want to live anymore. I'm sad. This this life is hard. And unfortunately, I didn't get the opportunity to heal myself at that time. And I spent another 20 years just building on top of my depression. And so I got so comfortable being sad and being angry that I thought that's the only way to live. I didn't realize there was an out until I found it. I've known you for 15 minutes and you're choking me up. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was heartfelt. Oh my yeah. God. All right, all right. So, so what, what was going on in, in your world that, that would make you feel that at such a young age? Well, I, I didn't have the greatest role models in life. So what I did and all children do is we mimic the people that we look up to. And if they're showing up poorly, we're going to show up poorly. So that's what happened. I was told that I wasn't good enough. I was told that I was stupid. So I took those beliefs and I walked around telling everyone else, well, no, I can't do it. I'm stupid. No, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Don't add me. Don't give me. Don't do nothing. I'm not worthy. So I took these beliefs that the people that were supposed to show me love instead and carried them forward. I carried them forward in my education, which in high school, I did not do very well. Thankfully, I got into college, but I still struggled because I kept telling myself every day, you're not smart enough to pass this test or this course. And then eventually, you know, all of these beliefs, all of these limiting beliefs that I grew up with just came down on me like a hard rock and I got smashed into the ground. And that was my pivotal moment. That was my pivotal moment for change. Wow. And it's, it's just so unfortunate that it has to reach that point for the majority of people to realize I can't do this anymore. But I just want to highlight what, what you said about the things that you were telling yourself, you know, leading to the limiting beliefs, leading you to stuff yourself into a box. But the other way, it works the same way. The other way, if you tell yourself, I can do this, if you tell yourself nothing will stop me, if you tell yourself nothing will break me, you will start believing it. And then your Mm -hmm. actions will reflect it. Like this is a a foolish example, but I took a bunch of my clients to do the Tough Mudder race. And it has one one of the obstacles. They have this uh, monkey bars. It angles up. And then there's water down below. And so we were wearing hydration pads because it was like a 10 or, 10 or 12 mile race, I want to say. And it was pre- pretty warm out. So as we're approaching the obstacle, some of the, the other people on my team, they're taking off their hydration pads. And so I, I get up to go. And one of the guys like, Rob, he's like, your pack is still on. I said, I know. I don't plan on falling. <laughs> <laughs> I said, see, we think different like that. It's like you are preparing for the failure. I'm preparing to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people lack that. They do. And the way that I view it through my experience and speaking with others is it does come from our childhood. Yes. It depends what you were told. It was. It depends on how you were loved that defines who you become as a young adult. And then that age group, then you get to decide what you want to become. If you find new role models or if you find new ways of showing up, then you get to change. But if you don't get that opportunity, you keep going forward in that negative path. Yes. And again, you keep drop, dropping out these good these good one-liners here. <laughs> you know, you said, you decide what you want to become. Mm-hmm. You know, and then even on this show, I said, this is the 191st episode. And I mean, my, my first eight episodes, there were no guests because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But so, so I can say probably 180 guests have said that they, they got started doing into, into something that someone else wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas for me personally, I took a path very similar to you because I ended up 
dropping out of college more so because I was in it because I was trying to qualify for the Olympics, but that's another story for, an, for another day. Then I ended up getting injured, and I, but I, but I was in college because I let my dad, you know, God rest his soul, talk me into computer engineering. And now, okay. now he wasn't wrong. So this was 1992 when I graduated high school, and he just saw what was going to become with computers. And he's mm-hmm. like, you want to get into this industry? I'm like, I want to be on TV. <laughs> like, like I don't want to be in an office like just thinking of stuff and building it like that's not me but he was an engineer and and so to your point it, it definitely depends on how how you're raised because I watched this man just constantly accomplish stuff just mm-hmm. constantly no matter what got in his path he found a way to get it done and he instilled that in all of us I'm the youngest of, of seven kids but he instilled that in us and just growing up with that thinking nothing can defeat me. Like nothing can defeat me. Yeah. Like, e- even if I'm in a sports competition and if I lose, all right, you got me today, but I'm coming back. Like yeah. we, just, we, just had, <laughs> we just had that mentality. Mm-hmm. And so, all right. So when did you get into to doing what you're doing now? Well, about five years ago, I had what I call my spiritual awakening when I realized that if I was going to continue on the path that I was on, life was never going to change. It was going to get harder and harder and harder. So the biggest change that I made was that I exited my marriage. That was my pivotal moment. I had to step out of the space and the home that I was in that was holding me back and create something new. And The first time in my entire life, I lived on my own. I do have two children, but living on my own and taking care of myself, I found my independence. Mm -hmm. And through my independence, I realized that I don't need anyone else to complete me. I don't need anyone else to tell me what I can and can't do. I can do it. So when I started to create my own change and building myself back up, I realized that there's so many people out there that need the same education of of what I did. They need the same support. They need all of what I just went through. So I started speaking about it. I just started speaking about it through um, conversations with friends and then friends of friends. And all of a sudden people are coming to me and asking me, well, how did you do this? And how did you do that? I'm like, well, if people are asking how I got myself out of a 25 year long depression, then maybe there's something to this. Mm. So i created the platform, build yourself back up. I do have um, a co-author in a book where I speak about my darkest days in my depression. And I go on stage and I talk about it. And even if I'm supplying little nuggets of wisdom to one or two people in a group of 50, to me, that's enough to make change and to create that ripple effect. And, and that's perfect. Cause I did a, I did a, a poll, like a Facebook poll, maybe, I don't know, 10 months ago or so, asking people, what's the number one thing keeping you from telling your story? And for most people, it's the fear, the fear of judgment, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I always tell them, like, hey, you're not scared. You're just not prepared, <laughs> you know? So, like, if you, go, if you go see a movie and you get, and you get in front of your, your peers, you can talk about the movie because you just saw it. It's fresh in your brain. So yeah. people just don't know what parts of their story that they want to tell. But the money thing that, that you said there, even if it helps one person, you know, even if it helps one person, because I have some pretty strong opinions on world world events and politics and all that stuff. And it kind of 
doesn't really go with the mainstream norm. And so when I speak out about it, people always ask me, they're like, I'm too afraid of like getting canceled. Or like, I'm a human being. If somebody blocks me on Twitter, that doesn't affect my existence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, then, and just once, once you realize, okay, if I got a handful of people that resonate with what I have to say, that's what matters. You know, the ones that don't support you, they're not your, they're not your target audience. But if, if there's someone that's sitting down on the brink of taking their life and they stumble upon you and your story can literally save their life, yes. you know, and that's why I encourage people to speak up about, you know, your, your darkest days, because there's somebody out there right now that doesn't have the courage to do so. And we can inspire them to do so. Yes. And I do agree about the judgment. I did face those fears when I was choosing to tell my story. But when I chose to not worry about what others thought, I stepped into my power on a much deeper level. Yes. And then I had the realization that, yes, like you said, Robert, we draw to us our audience and we'll focus on them. But those that don't necessarily like what we say, we're still changing them because we're triggering them to look at why they don't like us. So it might be a small change here and there for those that don't like us, and but bigger changes for those that do. But we still have impact on everybody. Yes, love it. And I tell people when you're in when you're in the the, the niche of changing people's lives, there's gonna be things that they don't like. You know, yeah. when people come into the gym and they want to lose weight for whatever reason. I I hold them to, to the standard that they want to be, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone comes in and says, I want to lose 30 pounds, and, and I'll go through my whole process of getting to the heart of the why. And then I let them know up front, okay, so for you to do this, this is the path we have to take. Oh, wait a minute. You mean I have to I have to cut down on my coffee? Like, do you want to stay the same or do you want to change? Because yeah. you can't you can't do the same stuff and change. It doesn't work that way. You know, so so it's like telling people, like, I'm not here to hurt your feelings. I'm not here to, to make you mad or sad. Mm -hmm. But but this is the path. <laughs> exactly. And when we confront those bad habits, they're hard to see. I can see why people resist, because the embarrassment to yourself, the judgment to yourself, I found was much harder than the external. Yes. When I really had to look at my bad habits or my habitual thoughts that were breaking me down, it was embarrassing to see that I allowed it to last as long as I did. And when I forgave myself first, the rest of the world just disappeared in, in what I would assume they would judge me on. Because I do sit in this whole, you know, not to be too egotistical, but it doesn't bother me when I trigger someone or I shake someone or I disturb their little world because I know I'm creating that change. It doesn't bother me anymore like it used to. Oh, I love being on debate panels. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just feel, it fuels my, it fuels my soul. And, yeah. uh, and I always say like the best compliment that you can get in a debate, then we'll get back on topic, is, <laughs> is when someone insults you. Because if you if you have to sling an insult, you just lost. Yes. Yes, because that's their only way to defend. They start yep. to fight back. Exactly. It's like yeah. I'm over here just spitting knowledge. Like you're <laughs> you're the one slanging insults. Like, yeah. you know, if you, if you can refute what I'm saying, we can keep going. But if you're yes. just gonna belittle me, then yeah, next up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So how did you come up with the name? 
they build oh, back better. This so, one's a good story. Wait, I'm so, sorry. What what did you say? Because I think I just said the name of Biden's thing. No worries. It's build yourself back up. That's it. Build yourself back up. Okay. Sorry. So, go ahead. I'm a very spiritual woman. And before my spiritual awakening, I knew that I was hearing my intuition. I knew that I was getting inner guidance, but I wasn't fully paying attention to it. And when I was going towards my rock bottom for through my depression, there was this one evening in the middle of the night, I woke up and I felt this deep heaviness in my body. I felt like I couldn't move out of my bed like I was a rock. And I just started crying so hard that my body was shaking. And I kept praying for the heaviness to leave. And I said, please, 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 please. I couldn't stop, couldn't stop crying. And all of a sudden, this wave of energy came through my body and it lifted that heaviness off of me. And the moment I felt this lightness, I heard the words, build yourself back up. And then I pulled my eyes out again because I realized that it was time for me to change. But then I also realized, I'm like, I don't know how. I don't know how. So those words came to me about four years before I created my platform. I had to take those four years and learn how to do it. My inner guidance tells me that we have to learn it. We have to become it. Then we be it, then we teach it. So I had to take those necessary steps and learn all the tools and techniques, really embody them, become them, and then I can speak them. So that was the path. It was a big spiritual moment. Intuition played a part. I started to create my change, and then I started helping others. Love that. Love that. See, and and with that, People who watch this show on the regular, I say all the time, you have to make it something bigger than yourself. You know, mm-hmm. that that's how you overcome anything. You know, I talk about the passing of, of my father in 2019 all the time. And the the way I talk about it, like I don't talk about the fact that he's gone. You know, I talk about all the breadcrumbs he left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know what I mean? So so th- so that way when you're just talking about the sadness of it, it's selfish. You know, like, I'm just trying to safeguard my feelings, so I'm not going to talk about it. I was like, no, I had that man for 45 years. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I learned from him. There's a lot of lessons he gave me. There's a lot of times we laughed. There were some times when he annoyed the shit out of me. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like you, you just have all of those moments. And then to, for someone like you, we started this with you saying you didn't really have a male role model in, in your life. So how am I going to sit here and feel sorry for, for, for myself when I had my dad for 45 years? You know what I mean? So I, I made it something bigger than myself. Would I love to hug him again? Of course. Would, would I love to just hear his voice again? Of course. But I'm, I'm, um, I have a lot, lot of gratitude of what he left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, when I'm working with people, that's one of the first lessons I try, I try to teach to them, just so you know. It's not about your story. Like, it's about what we do with your story. Yeah. You know? It is. I believe that we're here to ch- to create the change, to become the change. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do so is to speak authentically the story that you lived. Because it is going to resonate with so many other people. 
And then through that, you're starting to create global change. Yes. I'm in a Facebook group for divorced dads. All right. So now I got divorced in 2005. I had two, two kids with, with her. Then I was in a 13 year relationship. We never got married, but we had three kids. All right. So I have five, five kids now, two, two failed relationships. Well, two relationships that didn't work out. And so I'm in this group. So now my two oldest kids, I had custody of them. And then with my three younger kids, we had 50-50 and we settled out of court. So like we, we, never, we never set foot, foot in court at all. And so as I'm in this group, just listening to, to these guys tell, tell these stories. And all I keep saying is you guys just totally handed over your power. You know, it's like they didn't, they didn't even try. And so all I did was I put forth some effort, <laughs> you know, just put forth some effort. And I was able to, you know, to get into situations where I controlled the outcome, yeah. you know? So it's like, I went, I went to, to my, my ex. I was like, look, if we go to court, they hold all the cards, you know? I said, so if like, if you, if you and your, you and your husband want to switch weekends or something to go away, I'm willing to do it for you, but we have to go to court and ask permission. I was like, and, and I was like, and I don't think I want 18 years of that. Yes. <laughs> you know, so so I was like, if we can just be adults, you know, and and not like you don't have to worry about my personal life. I don't have to worry about your personal life. You know, so we just have to worry about raising our children. Like that's what matters. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if if you need me to take them on an off day, I got them. You need me to pick pick them up from school, I got them. Yeah. You know, like if you just flood your world with positivity, then you're gonna you're gonna get positive outcomes you know more often than not but like i said i'm in this group and it just like honestly i wish i could take over the group as admin <laughs> i really do <laughs> i really do because i can see that group in a whole different direction <laughs> yeah. but you know what's really interesting about your story and it's very comparable to mine is i have a co-parenting relationship as well it's 50 50 with my two kids yep. and we're doing it in a way that i've never seen before we get together once a month as a whole family. My ex-husband has a girlfriend. So the five of us get together and we do game night or we go and have a picnic in the park. We are constantly working towards a better relationship for our kids. Yeah. It's about the children. And when I look at my mom and her divorce and my childhood and I compare it to what my kids are going through, I chose to be the change. I chose to show them that we can show up in a different way and actually love each other and be friendly with each other and, and work together. Yeah. You know, so often children grow up in such chaotic environments, whether it's with both parents or they're separate. And then that has such an impact on them when they grow up. And mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, limiting beliefs and depression, even anxiety, like so many different mental health issues. So if we can look at what we went through, our own experience, and decide, well, how can I make it better for the next group, the next generation, then we start making the positive changes going forward. Absolutely. I'm doing, I'm doing um, an all-star panel. I think, I think the one on co-parenting is in May, I want to say. And so I'll keep, keep you in mind if you want to join that, join that discussion. Sure. That would be great. Yes, because it's it's good. I have I have a couple couple sing, single dads, couple single moms, you know, so we can get get all sides all sides of the, of the spectrum. But the the biggest thing is 
E-G-O is people's egos get in. And then it goes back to, it's all about me. It's like, no, it has nothing to do with you. It, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't matter the circumstances that led to the divorce. That's got nothing to do with the children. Yeah. You know, it's like, they don't need to see you guys shred, shredding each other apart. It's like, I, I don't ever sit here and talk bad about any of their moms. Because it's like, you're you're half of them. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, like you, you wouldn't be who you are without them. Like, exactly. just because just we grew apart over time, you know, that doesn't mean we're going to make you suffer, you know. And then when, when people act like that, that, that's exactly what you're doing to the child. And then they're going to spend the rest of their life trying to undo all that, all that mental trauma. Yeah. And that's exactly what I went through. I had to undo it all. And I had to reprogram my brain, my beliefs, and who I wanted to be in order to make those changes. So what were the first steps you took to make those changes? I think the biggest one was acknowledgement. Mm. Uh, we were talking earlier about people kind of calling you out on your stuff and maybe not being able to handle it. Yes. Two years before I made my acknowledgement of my depression, I was told that I was depressed. Mm. And I rejected that so quick. I was like, I am not, I am not, I am not. And I really had to then start thinking about, well, was there something to that? Was there really something to that? And eventually I finally had the acknowledgement. Okay, Trish, you are depressed. That's okay. This is your starting point. Now, what do we do? When you make that acknowledgement with yourself within, then you're ready for the change. And then the next step from there was actually getting a counselor and going on antidepressants and starting to get all of what's living inside of my mind, in my body, out. We have to express ourselves in a healthy way in order to let go of the heaviness, the the dark nights of the souls that we experience, all of that turmoil in order for us to have the lighter mindset and body for us to keep going forward. So those were my, that was the beginning for me. That's what I did. Yeah. And I, I asked that, that question to, to anyone that struggled with any, any type of, of mental, mental health, we'll call it mental health issues is, you know, what were those first steps? Because for the people who are listening that are struggling with something like that, that's what they always say. Like, I just don't know how, don't know how to get started. And even with, and that's with anything, even with the gym, if someone wants to run, run faster or say, well, you got to hire a coach because like you, you, you can't just keep running the way you're running. <laughs> you're not going to get any faster. Like, you know, YouTube videos will take, take you so far, but mm-hmm. you need that accountability of someone showing you this is the form. You know, if someone wants to lose weight, it's like, okay, there's, there's steps that, that we have to take and you're going to have to send me progress photos. You're going to have to do weigh-ins and measurements. You know, like there's steps to take to get you where, where you want to get get to in dealing with past hurts. Like I mentioned earlier about the uh, the, the, the program I, I created and it, it, how I started it was really from last year when everything went virtual and started joining all these different Zoom groups. And listen, like like people struggled so badly telling their stories yeah. so badly. And I was like, I, I have to do something about this. <laughs> like, I just can't sit here and let and just let this happen. So I just started messaging people like, hey, you know, I can help you with, with that intro. Hey, I can help you package your brand story better. And, 
you know, I got a lot of, lot of amazing feedback mm-hmm. and um, it's, it seems it seems like it, it shouldn't be a big deal because everyone has their own lived experience. But again, it goes back to what you said. People are just afraid to tell it because they're not sure how it's going to be well received. Yes. I also believe that, you know, the generation that I grew up with and, and even older and maybe a little bit um, younger than me is there was this mindset that children were to be seen but not heard. So you you saw them because you had to clothe them, feed them, bathe them and put them to bed. But when they spoke, they were not allowed to. They were to sit quiet and just do their childhood thing. And and that was it. I grew up with that mentality. So I was not allowed to express myself. And if I did, I was told to be quiet. That's enough. Or I was talked over. So some of my holdback of when I was ready to tell my story was I was taught that I wasn't allowed to speak. So not only was I working through the embarrassment of my story, I was working through a belief that told me I couldn't use my voice. And when I would speak, I could tell that I have a frog in my throat and I was constantly clearing my voice or I was um, or I was pausing because I didn't know how to flow my conversation because mm-hmm. nobody taught me. Nobody gave me the space to do it. And so when I look at other people that I'm speaking with and they have those same uh, show ups as I did, I'm like, you know what? You were told you weren't allowed to. They're like, yeah, I wasn't. So now we need to reframe that belief. And so that's what sometimes we have to do is we have to look at what it was that caused us to, you know, become full of anxiety or depression or overweight or have these addictions to shopping or, or, or any of them and say, okay, well, what caused it? What's the root cause of what happened here? And sometimes we have to relive it and it could be really painful. It could shatter the soul to look at what actually happened between you and somebody else or a situation that broke you. And then from there, you start healing it. You start telling yourself, okay, it happened. Why did it happen? What can we do now? How can we change it? And then you start developing this foundation with yourself. And then that foundation starts to get thicker and stronger and you're standing on something more stable than ever before. And when life does throw you that hard moment, which it always will, because that's life, you don't crumble anymore. You're standing so strong on that foundation. And then it gets bigger because you're like, I didn't, I didn't waver. I didn't go back. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy smokes, I can do this. And it just keeps rising and keeps leveling up but we have to look deeply at the moments that cause the pain and turn it into power and go for it have you have you been reading my stuff it's just beautiful that a lot of us are speaking the same language now yeah. because it really does resonate doesn't it it does yeah and you're right. I mean, I, I had a, I had a very solid, solid upbringing, so I can't complain there. But, you know, my dad, my dad was a Marine. So he was mm-hmm. that, you know, when, when I speak, you don't ask questions. So it's just like, uh, 
okay <laughs> it's like he said do it so we'll just do it so i yeah. think that i think there might be a better way but we'll just do it <laughs> <laughs> so we definitely yeah. i definitely grew up grew up with that as well and so all right, i want i want to get get your thoughts on this so when people tell me that they love themselves you know they're, they're like oh no no i i have i have self-love i'm like but but you're doing things that hurt you <laughs> you know, so like, if you truly love yourself, why are you doing things that that hurt you? What are your thoughts on that? I think that's what they know, right? They think that you know, by sitting in front of a TV and watching uh, Netflix all day and munching on a bunch of junk food is giving themselves comfort. It's giving them relaxation because that's what we're we're, we're told by society binge watch, binge watch, buy this, buy that and eat it, eat it, eat it. And so they think that they're supposed to because the world society is telling them. So, you know, we get blasted with so much media telling us this is how we should live. This is how we should show up. And we take it as the truth. It's true. We don't sit and ask ourselves, does this fit with me? Do I actually believe it? It's just jam packed every day for us to, to take in and, and yeah, we don't self reflect on it. So I think what the problem is, is people are being told, well, that is self-love. And so like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And they don't actually check in with the self and say, does this make me happy? Mm -hmm. It's about values. Like behind my computer here, I have my core values written, written up like my, my lock screen on zoom or my waiting room screen on Zoom has my core values listed. And one of my other other groups, you know, the, the six core values are listed. And you ask people like, what, what are the rules for you? And they just look at you like, well, like you go into a restaurant, you, you expect a certain standard when, when you're in there. You know, you go to a movie, you, you expect a certain standard. And mm -hmm. they just start going right down the list. Like, what are your standards for you? Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you holding yourself accountable to? Like mm -hmm. people think just because I, I'm a fitness coach means I, I just love fitness. You know, it's <laughs> like, like I love competition, right? Mm -hmm. I'm an athlete, even though I'm 47 now, I still play basketball, volleyball, softball. I run, run track and field still. I do obstacle course races and, and I do all these things. And I know, especially at my age, I need to be fit. You know, so it's not like when I go to the gym, I'm just in there just skipping around and, you know, doing my weights, you know, but I do what's necessary. Yeah. You know, and, too, and just too many times we, we get blinded by the do what you love. It's like, yes, you want to do what you love ultimately, but you have to do what's necessary to get there. Absolutely. I heard that too. Uh, do what you have to do until you can do what you want to. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. All right. So let's get back to your business. All right. So how do, how do you attract people and what are the biggest things you help them with? Um, I track through law of attraction. So I believe that I'm going to receive the right people, the right audience, but I also take action. Right. So I get out and I find opportunities where I can speak like your show. I speak in um, on stage in person. Um, like I said, I have a book, I have a second one coming out next year. So I engage my audience through different platforms, constantly trying to show up for them. And what I help them with is creating a starting point. We have to figure out what it is that we need to do to get started. 
And like you said earlier, a lot of people are like, I don't know where to begin. And that's the biggest struggle is you're starting. Yeah. Because a lot of times we start and we, we quit. We start and we quit and we start and we quit because we don't know what the next step is. And so what I do is I lay down the path for those that want to follow it. And then they have these milestones where when we check in and they've reached them, then they just see that they're leveling up. So that's what I do is I help them create the starting point. I create the path with them. I help them move through it until they're ready to level up to somebody else because you definitely have to have many mentors in life if you want to expand your knowledge and your worldviews and and really your life, right? So that's what I do. I help them with their starting point. Yeah, Dad, I've had six business coaches so far, all from all from yeah. different areas. But <laughs> the analogy that, that I use, we're not – we're not putting up a pop-up tent. <laughs> like we're building a house. Yes. You know, it's like you, you're not going to build a house in a week. It's just not mm-hmm. happening. I don't care if you're the most skilled engineer on earth. Like you are not building a house in, in seven days. Yeah. So so we have to get the pop-up tent mentality out of your brain. And so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll even go back to fitness when pe- people say, yeah, I, I just need to lose X amount of pounds. I don't even know where, where to begin. All right. Water. How much water are you drinking a day? Yeah. All right. So for the next seven days, I need you to drink this much water. Don't sweat anything else. Well, that and show, show, up, show up to class. You know, mm-hmm. so just, just do that. Don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Then, then once you have that down, we're going to work on breakfast. Oh, well, I don't eat breakfast. Well, we're going to work on you eating breakfast. And yeah. we're going to work on that for the next seven days. You know, it's like I'm not one of those one of those trainers that's like, you know, come in, come to me and you'll lose 20 pounds in three weeks and your life is going to change because it's not sustainable. Like, I, I mean, I've been, been in this going on 13 years now. And I used to be that guy because everyone else was doing it. Like it, it was it was the in thing back then. But now it's like this. It's not sustainable. So even though we get you there, once we're done, you're going to completely binge on all the things you're craving and then you're going to end up gaining it all back. So the mm-hmm. pop up, the pop up tent doesn't work so now i started this build the house approach where it's like listen take it easy we're only five weeks in like you haven't been doing this forever it's been five weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and just constantly remind them we're just trying to get better each day just focus on each day then you do that for six solid months you're going to be pleased with where you are but just getting people to grasp that yeah you might want it tomorrow it's not going to happen tomorrow Exactly. And what I love about your analogy, Robert, is about the house. And I use it myself because I spoke about foundation. Yes. And when we build a house, the first thing we do is we lay the foundation. It needs something strong to stand upon. And every part of the house has a different phase. So when you're speaking about, you know, taking it one day at a time, it's the same as building a house. It's through phases. And what I really love about creating new habits is that we do have to take them slow. When we when we think that we got to, you know, we got to change by tomorrow or else we're never going to change, you got to let that thought go. You got to let that belief go. It yeah. is an everyday experience. Yep. And when we group our habits, a new habit with a current habit, they will start to develop faster, right? So we're linking them. I do that all the time when, for example, when I'm getting ready to do a talk, I will seriously practice my talk everywhere I go. I'm cooking dinner, I'm linking and I'm practicing my talk. I'm driving to work, I'm linking and I'm practicing my talk. 
So when we link our new habits with really good ones that we've already created, they will actually join in a lot faster and easier. So yeah, I, I love that. That's conscious, subconscious, working in harmony. Yes. That, that's what that is. <laughs> and that comes from the practice. Like going back to what I said earlier about people being afraid to tell their story. It's not that you're really afraid. You're not prepared. And once people understand that, they'll get it. Because for me, I don't practice at all. <laughs> I, I, I just don't. I just don't. I, I show up. Like if I'm speaking in a school, I'll show up. What are the kids' biggest needs? They'll tell me what the kids' biggest needs are. And I, it's like I have a series of files of all the stories that I need to address whatever the topic is. That's why I, I can't do I can't do a TED Talk. Now, I'm not one to say I can't do stuff. I can't do it <laughs> because they need it scripted. Yes. And, and I'm not a scripter. Like my sister, she's also she's also a speaker. And she she did one. And she, she, she was like, Rob, I'm telling you, it's a great experience. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, that's just not how I flow. It, it, yeah. You know, it's like I, I tell people, you have you have to do things that play to your strengths. And mm-hmm. my, my strength is to, to just stand up and go. Like I was speaking at the Fit Ranks World Conference in 2016. And this is like the night before I was the first speaker on that Sunday morning. And my mentor <laughs> sends me a text message. He's like, Robert, I, I didn't get your, your, your slides for tomorrow. I said, because I didn't do any. He's like, <laughs> he's like, how are you going to speak without slides? Like, the way I have been for the last 15 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's like, well, can you just put something together that, that we can have up on the screens? Like, I don't want to have the screen empty. And so, like, I put together some pictures and stuff, but I told him, I promise you, I will captivate this crowd with nothing in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, said, I promise you, I will. You know, yeah. and so, and I, I, I just shared that just because I want people to see that there's multiple paths you know, it's like there's multiple paths. So it's, you know, so, so, so many people are afraid to get started because they look at one person's path yeah. and they're like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do that. Yeah, but it's okay. There's another path, you know, mm-hmm. and then there, there's another path. Like, I'm sure you, you've heard it. There's no straight path to, to, to success. It winds all over the place. So what works for, for, for me would be hell for my sister. Mm-hmm. She, can, she can never do that. She's super organized. She, she's a planner. She needs all of her ducks in, in a row. I'm super spontaneous. I have an abstract mind and I just need, just give me the mic, turn on the lights and get out of the way. Yeah. But what great self-awareness, right? And I think that's important when we are creating change is that we have such deep self-awareness that we know what works for us. Yes. And when we start comparing ourselves to other people's paths, we're not going to go anywhere because we're like, well, I'm not doing that but they are. And then you feel bad or I can't do that. Well, now I feel bad. So you don't start creating your own path. You start pointing out everyone else's. But when you have that self-awareness, oh, no, no, no. This is what works for me. This is how I need to show up. Then you can do it with much more grace and ease because you're only choosing for yourself. Yes. See, and and I tell people seek knowledge, right? Seek knowledge. As I said earlier about the, the whole knee injury thing. I, I see so many people taking the opinions of one doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, well, my doctor said I have to X, Y, Z. He said, well, did you ask another one? I said, there's, yeah. there's 7 billion people on this planet. I mean, you know, there's more than just your doctor. You know, because mm-hmm. I've, I've done that, like, well, before my knee injury. And one of, one of the guys I went to, he's like, oh, it's simple. Just stop running. I was like, okay, I won't be coming to see, see you again. He's like, yeah. yeah, so this is what I have. You know, what are your thoughts? 
No, looks bleak. Okay, next. Yeah. <laughs> and I just went down the line till I found someone who was like, oh, yeah, I can get you back out there running. Boom, you're hired. Yes, exactly. Well, and that's what you desire, right? And you spoke earlier about values. Yes. And when we define what our personal values are, then we know what we're going to achieve. Then we know what we can accomplish. But if we start with nothing, well, I don't know what, what I what I believe. I don't know what I want. Then you have no direction. But values tell you what it is that you can go for and what, what you can achieve. I had to sit with my values because I had none. Or at least what I perceived were values were not, right? There were other people's beliefs. And one of the things that I brought in was that I value traditional ways of showing up. So I cook 99% of the meals in my home for my kids and I, because I value home-cooked food, healthy food, and sitting at the dinner table and having conversations with my kids. I value that. So when I realized that, then I got out of the whole fast food. I wasn't doing it a lot, but I was bringing it into my home because it was easy and I was tired and not on all my excuses. Right. But when I valued it, I changed it. And when I sit and have these beautiful conversations with my kids that are 10 and nine, that have these minds that are so brilliant and so expansive, I'm in awe of what they tell me. And that is not replaceable with anything. So when we define our values, then we have direction. See, and to just add, just to add to that, once you, once you define them, nothing can shake you. Yeah. That's the thing. Nothing can shake you. So we just came off of Christmas, you know, Christmas was last Saturday. And so I I, like, this was an, I think it was, I don't know if it was 2019 or if it was last year. I said it as a joke a couple of days before Christmas. I was like, who am I going to see Christmas morning? And people are like, what time? <laughs> I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I was like, you guys want to come Christmas morning? Because I don't really celebrate the holidays. So I let the kids go with my ex every year because like she's big into the holidays. So they don't miss anything. So it just works. Yeah. And, and so I was like, all right, like if people want to come, you know, I'll come. So anyway, so I mean, I have, I have this, this one woman who comes in late every single day. And that's such a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> such a pet peeve. <laughs> and so, so we get started. We're five minutes into our Christmas workout. She rounds the corner. And I, I just launch. You know, I was like, listen, it's like going into the new year. Your goal is going to be to set your alarm 15 minutes ahead of time. I was like, you can't keep missing the warm up. And then she, she hands me a gift. She's like, Merry Christmas. And and everyone else was like, I was like, no, are we clear? (laughs) You know, it's like this, we we have to clear this up first. Then thank you. Here's a hug. (laughs) You know, but but it's like, you got to stay on task. Now, once you stay on the task, like I said, nothing can shake you when your values are that strong. Yeah. You're setting standards too, right? That's what it sounds like. You're setting a standard and, and you need to show up to it. You have to be accountable for yourself. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So someone, someone reach, re- actually, no, someone listening, because you're a speaker, right? So someone listening, and they're, they're maybe in this dark place, like you were at one point. You know, what's the first words of advice you would give this person towards taking action? I would first tell them that it's okay. You're not alone. 
you are where you are and you're supposed to be there. And when we start looking at our life lessons and the reasons why we experience what we experience, then we can start making those changes. We think that our past is a hindrance, but it actually isn't. When we really see the beauty behind the hard days or the opportunities, I choose to call them opportunities, Mm -hmm. then we can start assessing what we can change about ourselves. You know, I can't talk about depression unless I lived it, right? Nobody wants to hear a story that you don't resonate with because you didn't experience it. But I would just tell them that you're not alone and there is a way out. See, and that's spot on because I've trained well over 100 pregnant women, right? And I can tell a woman who who just got pregnant what she's going to feel every single step, every month of that pregnancy. But I never felt any of it, Mm. you know? So, like, yeah, I can tell them from education, but it would be so much different than you telling your story of having your kids. You know, like, that's the difference between education and connection. You know, it's like I can give them the info with my education, but like you can take them into the experience. Like when I talk about getting back out on the track, because um, I hurt my knee during the track meet. And so to, to come full circle, it's like I started running again. I started doing obstacle races. I was playing basketball and stuff again, but I, I wasn't getting back out on the track. And mm-hmm. so it's like I was still letting the injury win. Even though I defied the odds about running and jumping, I was like, I need to get back out on the track. And it, it took me seven years to do it. But okay. that's but that's where, where I had to I had to realize I'm in my own feelings right now. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not doing this because I'm afraid of a negative outcome. I said, but if I get back onto that track, even if I don't win, if I just get back out there and I high jump again, because it happened during the high jump, mm-hmm. then now it, the, the comeback is now complete. And so I did it. Like I said, it took me a few years, but I got out there and I did it. And since 2016, I haven't lost. <laughs> I have a wall full of gold medals in there. <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> like I haven't lost. But it was the courage to get out there and face it. Because yeah. for those seven years, it's like, okay, you know, basketball and everything else, you know, I'm talking about propelling my 185-pound body you know, over five feet in the air, like that's a different extreme. But mm-hmm. like going back to limiting beliefs, like like you opened with, that was all in my head. Yeah, my my body was ready. My body was like, let's get it. But the brain wasn't there yet. Yes. You know. And again, I just share that. So for people who are listening that have been into that dark place, and and, and it doesn't matter what caused the dark place, because the feeling is the same, in my opinion. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I, I've lost, I've lost people. I've been wrong. I've been cheated on. You know, like I've, I've been, been across the entire spectrum, and that, that hurt feels the same. But it's, it's the courage to be like, I'm not gonna let this break me. Yeah. You know? It's like I'm not yeah. gonna let, let, I'm not gonna let it break me. Not gonna let it break you. Yes, I feel like we. I feel like we could talk, talk forever. I told, told you this this hour was going to go by fast. Yes, it did go by really fast. <laughs> I, I just glanced over the clock. It's like whoa. <laughs> but it's like you get two people who are well versed at speaking, who kind of speak the same language. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's what happens. <laughs> I love when that happens because it feels it fills my soul and my energy. 
Yes, and and that's why I I, I don't like using talking points. Like I like like just having it flow organically. Yeah, and then it just goes like with the talking point. It sounds forced. Almost. Yes. So like yeah. I like I like to just talk and see where it goes, and yes. then just just make sure we you know we stay on topic of what we're discussing <laughs> you know, exactly. for, for the most part. <laughs> so, well, this was great, Robert. I really appreciate it all. My pleasure. And now we're, we're definitely going to gonna connect again. Okay. Because you know, I, awesome. like, I feel like we're definitely not done with this conversation. And uh, <laughs> I have a bunch of podcast friends as well that I'm going to connect you with. And like I said, I do all-star panels as well. And okay. so love to Perfect. have you. Have, have you join on that and then you know we'll see what see what happens down the line but give us some give us some final words and then let people know how they can get in touch with you uh my final words would be that life is meant to be experienced the goods and the bads it's just how we perceive them so if we choose to believe that it's all meant for our greater good then it will be and that's just the mindset shift um, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Indie, or uh, LinkedIn, my, my apologies, and my website, which is buildyourselfbackup.com. Nice. Love it. So this has been an amazing conversation. As I said, I'm sure we're going to have many more. And thank you for taking the time to come out thank and so uh, speak. My pleasure. All right. Don't log off yet, though. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll see you in a couple minutes. Okay. Alrighty, so that was a great conversation. So if you have struggled with any type of depression, anxiety, stress, and any type of mental mental illness, you know, make sure you reach out. Reach out to someone, reach out to Trish, reach out to someone in your local area. Just make sure you reach out to someone and just get the ball started. Because the, the sooner you start speaking about it, the sooner you're gonna start healing from it. All right. And so as I mentioned earlier, we have our fifth all-star panel on January 8th. We have author and thought leader Steve Burlack. We have the gratitude specialist, Tina Torres. We have author Elaine Kennelly. We have CEO Chandra Gore. We have Sharifa Hardy. I've been on her show, God, I don't know, eight times now, I want to say. So she's going to be on the panel. And Shay Brown, this dude's got energy for days. So this is going to be an amazing panel. So that is Saturday the 8th. We're going to be talking about how to stay focused on your goals in the new year. So that's all I got for you for today. I will be back tomorrow. Thank you. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time, shut up and 